Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. This is the Shining Brightly podcast show. Got another great one for you. And um, I'm really excited. Long time, over 20 year friend, Roy Kessel from the Sports Philanthropy Network is here and in the house. Roy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Howard. Oh, man. It's, um, boy, Roy and I have traveled uh, the world together. And we have a love of sports and a lo- love of uh, community service together. It's uh, We've got a lot of history, and um, I love him like a brother, so I'm glad you could be on the show. Let me tell you a little bit about Roy. Um, Roy is the founder of the Sports Philanthropy Network. He spent over 25 years in the sports business world and a variety of experiences, including serving as an NFL agent, chairing the Chicago uh, Bar Association Sports Law Committee, as well as running celebrity and charity golf uh, events for different organizations. Um, including the Tournament of Roses and the NFL Coaches Association. Roy's a graduate of the University of Wisconsin. They don't call him Badger Roy for no reason. And um, he has a finance uh, and and marketing degree, as well as his JD from Northwestern Pritzker School of Law. Roy taught at the Northwestern University in graduate sports management program and has been on numerous nonprofit boards, including Young Leadership Cabinet, where we met uh, over 20 years ago. And so Roy, the founder of the Sports Philanthropy Philanthropy Network. Well, that's the bio, Roy. Tell us a little bit more about you and something uh, that uh, that folks don't know about you. Like you're a scratch golfer, almost. Uh, I wish I was. That's uh, gone the wrong direction. But uh, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I love uh, love the work that you're doing and and your story is so inspirational. Uh, You know, we see it across the country. So uh, congratulations on on everything that you're doing to to create that hope and possibility for people. Um, from my end, what what people don't know, they they may not know that uh, my parents are from South Africa. I was born in Israel and 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 grew up in Madison, as you said, Badger Roy. And then uh, I have a younger sister, Sharon, that's developmentally disabled. That's been a huge impact on on my life and on so many people uh, in in the Madison community. It's, it's it's awesome. So um, I will tell you, I'm wearing the old sports brain shirt today, gift from you to me about concussions and all the stuff that you've been involved with over the years. But um, I want to dig in a little bit. Sports Philanthropy Network, building stronger, healthier, more inclusive communities through sports. Listen, I have to tell you, sports for good. It, it, it hits me you know, right in the heart. I love it. Uh, you know me. I find my happy place on the basketball court, played two hours today, hit the three, Still playing at age 57. It helped me, uh, you know, get back, get my self-esteem, my mental and physical toughness uh, through cancer diagnosis. So um, I, I love it. And you and I share that love for sports. So how did this all kind of come about, uh, Sports Philanthropy Network? Well, having been in the sports business world for 25 years, one of the things that that I saw was the passion that so many of these athletes have for their own communities. They really want to give back. And unfortunately, um, they're not given the tools and the support to to really make a difference. They're kind of conditioned that they're good for being celebrities, 
right? But not much else, right? What are they told? They're told they're good for four things when they're not playing sports, signing autographs for people, taking photos with people, playing in golf outings or going to fundraising dinners. And they're sort of conditioned to believe that's the way you give back to the community. And it's really a disservice to these individuals that have reached the highest levels of sports, right? Highest level of college sports, pro sports. Um, they want to do something more substantial, but they need a little bit of support and, and some more training and, and resources to be able to do that. And so the the genesis of Sports Philanthropy Network was when I started running these celebrity golf outings and got a chance to interact with these athletes on a more direct level, not on a fan level, but more on a peer level where I could talk to them while they were participating in these events and really learn about what inspired them, what they cared about, what they wanted to do. And so when we started Sports Philanthropy Network, the idea was, how can we support this ecosystem of the world of sports philanthropy? How can we build a pipeline of philanthropy that gives back and is a, in a sense, a distribution mechanism for education, training, professional development for sports nonprofits? And that kind of touches on two levels. One, on the side of the, the youth that are involved in these programs where we can run things like financial literacy, STEM education, leadership, anti-bullying, anti-drug programs. And then the other for the staff and the organization itself where it would be things in the nature of, of fundraising, culture, social media, board of director training, things of that nature to help them make a greater impact. I, I really love it because, you know, teaching these athletes and we're going to get into NIL in a little bit, uh, especially I just saw the movie Air and the, and the, uh, the uh, Air Jordan brand being developed by Nike and, um, and the Ed O'Banion case uh, that, that started this all. But I was recently at the Cologuard Classic put on by Exact Science out of Wisconsin that does the uh, cancer testing uh, for colorectal cancer. And they put on a whole golf tournament. It's a seniors tour and they have celebrities. And I have to tell you, I got to um, just hang out while they're hitting golf balls. Bryce Butler from the Dallas Cowboys, Golden Tate, and formerly of the Seahawks, Lions, I think even the Giants, Jimmy Rollins, ex-Philly and Dodger, and then Reggie Bush. Um, you know, it just, these guys, I really, you know, they take their valuable time to actually come and play and raise funds for, you know, a cause like colon cancer. And um, I love that the lesson that it teaches and that the heart that they show, um, they, they were really deeply impacted. They were listening to our stories. Um, they, they, they were empathetic. They were grateful. And um, I, I love that. And again, not all athletes that, but some of that is a learned response. And so um, tell me about like, uh, you got like so many things going, Roy, tell, tell people your travel schedule just in the last, you know, opening up uh, this year, January, Feb, March, where, where have you been? <laughs> yeah, the, the travel schedule to start the year first quarter is pretty hectic. There's coaching conventions for uh, for for baseball, for football, for soccer, each of which have over 10,000 people and coaches uh, attending. And so that's the kind of the first half of January. And then you get into the, the PGA show in Orlando and the uh, Senior Bowl in Mobile and the Pro Bowl and East West Shrine game in Vegas and, and Super Bowl week is just wall to wall. Um, with programs that we run and and the broadcasting we do, the NFL 
Uh, we're fortunate to have a great relationship with them and get media credentials to host broadcasts on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And so we had over 40 guests on our show during the week uh, at the Super Bowl and, you know, former athletes, current athletes, uh, sports agents, media people. It's a it's a great environment. And, you know, and, and after that, we had a chance to be at the NBA All-Star events, uh, the NFL owners meetings, it's conference basketball tournaments and men's and women's Final Four. And we're just getting ready to go out to the NFL draft. So uh, the first uh, three or four months <laughs> of the year are, are pretty crazy. But what, what's been really gratifying is as we go around the country, we we host opportunities to bring people together from the sports business world and the sports philanthropy world. And there's so much interest in engaging with the work we're doing, as you said, to build stronger, healthier, and more inclusive communities. And so we just got back from uh, the Black Sports Business Symposium in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And we had the night before that event, 120 people show up uh, at the Omni Hotel overlooking the park there, a beautiful setting on a great night, but Atlanta's an incredible community. And so we're really excited that this year we're finally able uh, to be out of COVID completely and be launching our chapters. And so we've got uh, a dozen chapters in their early stages and we anticipate having 30 active chapters by the end of uh, next year. I your schedule is 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 a blizzard, and um, I have to tell you, I was listening a little bit on Radio Row. That's a great honor, and it just shows the relationship and the um, the credibility that you and um, and Kayla and the sports philanthropy team has built with the professional leagues and and the college leagues and the individual players and coaches, trainers, sports agents. I mean, it's it's really connective tissue there uh, to 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 build these diverse communities, and 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 people are. Are, are, are jumping at the chance, 120 people to come to see you in Atlanta. I just want to give you applause there. But um, so people in my audience that might be listening, how, how do they get involved? Well, uh, it, it's really easy. One of the, the things that we tell people is there there's so many opportunities to be involved. We really just need to hear from you what you're interested in. Um, one of the great benefits of the chapters is we now have opportunities for people to engage in their local markets. Uh, I think for certain people, it was a bit overwhelming to try to look at how can I get involved in a national or international organization. Now with the chapters, we're getting enormous response of people that want to be uh, planning events, running what we call our organizational showcase, which brings together um, between 15 and 20 nonprofits in a market and, and kind of uh creates an event to expose them to the business community through the Chambers of Commerce and the business networking groups so that these nonprofits can meet business leaders in the community, can find and identify potential new donors, new board members. Uh, and, and this event is what we use as our kickoff in, in most of the new markets because it's a great way when we're building our leadership council to be able to get people involved. So how can you get involved? You can take a look at the site. You can email me. You can email Kayla Bradham, who's our EVP and has been with this from the beginning. And you can um, jump in and, and look at how can we be part of uh, a chapter? How can you be an ambassador? And ambassadors really are people that want to help. You don't have to work in sports. You don't have to work for a sports team. You don't have to be an athlete. Uh, 
what do you care about? Tell us what causes you're passionate about, and we can help identify ways for you to support our efforts as they relate to those causes. It's just beautiful. One of the programs, Roy, that um, I want to hear more about is that uh, this financial literacy program at the Super Bowl. Um, very interesting what you're doing there. Ex explain, explain how that works. Yeah, that was, uh, Kayla took the lead on that and did an amazing job pulling that event together. We had a dozen athletes um, speaking that day. That was a Monday of Super Bowl week at uh, Tolleson High School, just west of Phoenix. Um, it's Title I school, 98% of the kids in the school uh, getting free and reduced hot lunch. So it's a school where definitely in an underserved market. And as these athletes came in, uh, they sat and, and told their stories of how financial literacy or lack of financial literacy had impacted their lives, right? Including people who had been literally uh, homeless, who had been on the street and had turned their lives around. And one of the things that the, all of the athletes talked about is how little this is covered in anybody's school, right? Even my kids that went to a high-end public high school here in the Chicago suburbs, they never had financial literacy training or program. So kids either get that at home or they don't because the schools really aren't doing it. The colleges aren't doing it. So right. Super Bowl week, we hosted an event there, 500 kids um, that were seniors in the auditorium. The athletes were there. It went about two hours. And, and one of the big comments we got afterwards from the athletes was how well-behaved the kids were. They weren't playing on their phones. They weren't talking. They were really engaged with, with listening. They asked incredible questions. These are athletes that speak all over the country um, very frequently. And they said this was one of the best groups that they had, had ever seen. And one of the things that we're really fortunate about is the number of athletes that support the work we're doing because they came in, none of them are getting paid to speak. None of them are getting paid to come in and fly in. We had some people that flew in just for the day. We had others that were there for Super Bowl week. Um, but as the event went on, we, we brought in Little Caesars to partner with us to provide lunch for the kids. So that was a great opportunity. And, you know, right there from, uh, you know, from Michigan. Um, yep. So uh, a great connection there, but they really jumped on it quickly once they found out about the event and we're looking at doing additional events with them. But one of the unique factors afterwards was the athletes were the ones serving the pizza to the kids. So oh, that's beautiful. They're dishing out pizza. And then we created posters um, and flyers for each of the kids to have signed by the athletes. And they stayed around for another hour and a half after they spoke and served the pizza to the kids, spoke to the kids, uh, signed things for the kids, and really just gave them an opportunity to engage and interact. So it was a really fantastic program, something we're looking to replicate in, in more markets on an ongoing basis. And, and one of the reasons for having chapters is we want to be able to do that type of program regularly and not only at a Super Bowl. Right. So, I mean, yeah, there's lots of lots of high schools that if you have your chapters to uh, facilitate those programs, I, I'm really taken, Roy, because I know Charles Barkley says he's not a role model, although he is. It's really nice to see that the athletes taking that seriously, um, owing their responsibility um, 
and, and and doing that. Sounds like that program worked out, you know, just tremendously. Another program I want to feature um, is that um, you launched something called the Sports Philanthropy Academy. What, 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 please share what, uh, what's going on and give us an update what's going on with the Academy. Yeah, the, the idea for Sports Philanthropy Academy came about because as we talked to a lot of people who had launched sports nonprofits, what we found is more than it in other nonprofits, the people that started these cared about the the, the youth and the, and the community, cared about the sport, but may not have any background in running a business, may not have any background in running a nonprofit, may never have served on a nonprofit board. And so what we were hearing was these individuals know how to run a soccer practice, right? They bring the balls, the cones, they run the drills, the kids are super engaged. And then they realize like, hey, th this is going to take a lot more time, a lot more money, a lot more manpower than, than we anticipated. And so they look around and they say, how, how can we make a difference here? And so what we found is they needed more training. They needed more support to be able to do that. When somebody starts a nonprofit, they don't realize the regulatory hurdles, the compliance issues that are there, uh, the governance requirements for the board of directors, right? A lot of people, you know, you and I have been in fantasy football leagues together, right? So you start a new nonprofit, you put your arms out and who do you grab? You grab your basketball buddies, you grab your softball team, you grab your fantasy football league. And then after a year, you're like, oh, this is so frustrating. I thought these guys were really going to help me. Well, that's not necessarily the best way to identify board members. And that's just one example. So when I had a chance to speak in Buffalo um, through a program that was funded by the Ralph Wilson Foundation uh, called Project Play of Western New York, they brought in 80 organizations to speak. And I asked everybody how many had had business training and, and it was two or three and how many of them had gone to school for nonprofit management and it was another couple and and how many of you are here because you love kids and you love sports right and everybody's hands go up right and so we really want to be able to facilitate that training what we see too often is a proverbial uh, giving the organizations a fish instead of teaching them to fish so a major right. league franchise told us they fund 200 organizations for about a million dollars. So if you do the quick math, that's $5,000 per organization, which is not enough to be a sustaining gift. It's certainly not a transformational level gift. And then every year that org's got to go back and ask for that $5,000. If, if you do the rough math, it's probably a losing proposition because between the time spent from the, the major league club and the nonprofit organization and the compliance and the reporting and everything that goes into it, it, it probably isn't even creating any value. So mm -hmm. how can we take some of that funding that is already identified for these nonprofits, run Sports Philanthropy Academy programming, let's say, for example, in that community four times a year for those 200 organizations and teach them how to get more effective, how to build capacity, how to grow their organization so they can make a greater impact. Just running rough numbers, we estimate that that return on that program is going to be a minimum of 20 to one on whatever is invested into it. Right, right. No, I, I hear you. And I, I love that because you're, you're teaching them 
you know, how to fish, and then they can they can do that. And and not everybody is versed on uh, the 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 compliance and the nonprofit and the tax deductions and all that stuff as well. I, I want to switch topics now because I want your take on um, name, image, and likeness. All right, young people in college are being thrown a whole bunch of money at them without any training, as you said, their financial literacy. And uh, I think. It, this makes sports philanthropy and what you do actually it takes you to a whole nother level. What's your take on um, how this is working out? It's, it's, you know, the train has already left the station. What, what's your take on name image and license in the college ranks? Yeah, it's really interesting. Right. And, and so we're coming up on uh, two years that this has been in existence um, legally, right. It, it's been in existence for 20 plus years where it's been going on under the table and behind the scenes. So I, I think it's fantastic that it's out in the open. I think the open market is the right way for this to work. We launched an initiative last summer called NIL for Good to work with these NIL agencies and influencers on how they can use their name, image, and likeness to help their community, but also recognize that this is something that can help themselves as they want to build up their own brand, because nothing is going to build your own brand like giving back. So when people see that you're speaking for a cause, right, whether, you know, you look at what you've been able to do with Shining Brightly and, and put yourself in that center of attention, right, that gives you a great platform. So these athletes that already have the stage from their sport, um, can really use it for good. So that was the underpinning of NIL for good. But in the big marketplace of NIL, the struggle that we're seeing right now is that a lot of what is being paid for has nothing to do with name, image, and likeness and has everything to do with, I want you as a player to come to Michigan instead of going to Ohio State, or I want you to come to Georgia instead of going to Alabama, right? Or USC and UCLA, pick your schools, it doesn't matter. A lot of the payments are not as much for the player's name, image, and likeness because most of them, frankly, don't have a lot of value, true name, image, likeness value. They have value as an athlete for that team. And so the, the struggle right now is how do we structure things? And there's legislation pending in a number of states and federal legislation about disallowing um, the, the model where many of the NIL collectives have set themselves up as nonprofit entities to be able to take donations. Um, and they're looking at it very closely because the position is paying a player is not really a charitable endeavor, not really a tax deductible endeavor. Okay. So the ones that have set it up properly have looked at it and said, we can take deductions we can play, we can pay players to go and do charitable work. That's okay, right? So if we go, we can pay them to go and pack food baskets or go and visit a children's hospital. Um, we can pay them to do things of that nature. But most of the payments, especially the big payments that you're seeing, don't fit that. Right. It's uh, it's an interesting world here. And also, right, there's tax consequences uh, that they may or may not be able to deal with. And this, sometimes it's a lot of money thrown at these young people. And, um, you know, how do they manage it at that financial uh, literacy that you spoke about before? Well, listen, you're, you're doing so much. 
Um, I want to put you in the shining brightly spotlight. I'm putting on my shades right now, Roy, because it's so bright. How come I didn't get any shades? Well, we can get you some shades. That's easy. No, you got shades? Put on, put on some, some shades. shades. Put on some dark shades. There you go. All right. So we are shining brightly together. So I want you to take us home. I want you to do a couple of things. I want you to tell people how they can get involved. I want you to tell people how they can actually donate to support your efforts. Um, and potentially, uh, if you want to offer them a Super Bowl pen. Uh, so go. Great. Well, again, Howard, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Um, in terms of donations, easy to find right at the top of our, our page, sportsphilanthropynetwork.org. There's a ton of information, a lot of resources on events going on, on incredible organizations. We have organizational spotlights on most of the professional franchises. We're doing series now on the colleges as well. So right on the top of the front page, you can keep an eye on our upcoming events. Uh, we're going to have those posted on an ongoing basis so you can join in right there. Uh, we'd love to have you more active as an ambassador or as part of a leadership council for one of our chapters. You can see that there as well. Uh, our ambassadors are the lifeblood of the organization, and you're going to meet an amazing group of people around the country and around the world that are active with us. And you're going to be part of ambassador-only events and trainings and opportunities uh, on a monthly basis. So we'd love to have you do that. Howard mentioned our Super Bowl pin. We launched our uh, collectible pins with our character Sporty. Sporty is our mascot. You can see uh, in my background. And, and Sporty is spelled with an E at the end because sports are for everyone, not with a Y, because no kid should have to ask why they can't play sports. It's, it's just awesome. So I, I want to tell you that it, it's truly amazing. So everyone out there, you know, go put a hundred dollars uh, donation in, become an ambassador for the sports philanthropy network. If you love sports, you've got to love what this organization is doing um, and, and providing the education resources and the connective resources um, all using sports for good. It's, it's a beautiful thing, Roy, uh, absolute pleasure to, uh, to have you, um, our, our friendship will go on and I just want to see uh, sports philanthropy network, you know, be that household name that you're building and, and, uh, and keep doing the good work that you're doing. I, I, I appreciate it. And uh, found in my heart right now. So for those of you uh, listening or watching um, you can get a hold of me at shiningbrightly.com. Uh, another great episode on the podcast here with Roy Kessel, the sports philanthropy network and sportsphilanthropy.org. Uh, come find me, come interact, come get involved donate. We love you. Take care. Shining brightly. It does make the world a better place. It does. We are, become a positive change. When you lift yourself up, you lift up others and we become this force multiplier for good and positive change in the world. Thank you, Roy. Loved having you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.